Boy, what a privilege. I don't recognize any of you. But <laughs> when I was, when uh, eight-year-old David emailed me to ask me to preach for his ordination, I thought there must be some mistake. I'm so proud of David. I'm so proud of him. And so proud of all of you. Uh, and to, uh, boy, to hear this music again. I hope you know how blessed you are. I don't know of another church that has music like this. And then the other music in the early service by David and Mike and um, others, uh, wonderful variety uh, here at Knox that was not here when I left. And to, I want to thank uh, David and, and Adam, uh, you are so blessed uh, to, to have had Tom York and then and now Adam, uh, he is out of sight. Uh, and uh, uh, so generous and kind. Doug and I go back. Uh, Jenna and I do not, but it's, uh, it's delightful to spend time with you, Jenna. And with all of you old-timers, uh, Bob and Connie Reed have hosted, uh, been my host last night and then again tonight, and uh, uh, I, I couldn't find... Uh, I, I, my hips are a little bit bad. Anybody else? <laughs> anyway, uh, and uh, so I, uh, I I couldn't find one of those golf carts to take me from the far end of the Cincinnati airport down, down to baggage claim. And I came down, and uh, there was Bob Reed was standing there by baggage claim, and I wasn't sure I was going to recognize Bob, and I was pretty sure he wouldn't recognize me, and I remember Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin entered a Charlie Chaplin look-alike contest in Monte Carlo, and he came in third. <laughs> so, but we're all still walking the same faith. Thank you. Do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And let all the people say, Amen. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased, says the voice 
at the baptism of Jesus. Whereas Mark's gospel um, renders the event as a an event between Jesus as the Son and God speaking to him where he only hears the voice and he only sees the dove descending. In Luke, it's different. It's a public announcement. After all the people and Jesus have been baptized and while he was praying a dove came down in bodily form and a voice came from heaven you are my beloved you are my son the beloved in whom I am well pleased. It happens while Jesus is praying. But what does it mean? What does it mean uh, that Jesus is the beloved? Does it mean that he's beloved and we're not? That within the framework of uh, the faddish theology of the 70s, I'm okay and you're okay, Jesus is okay and you're not. I'm not, we're not. Does it mean that God takes pleasure in Jesus as the only begotten of the Father, but not in us? Because we are only we only have one half of Christ's nature, only one half of the Christological formula that was later developed at Chalcedon. He was human and divine, and we're just human. Or does it mean that um, Jesus is innocent and? We're all guilty. Jesus was sinless, and we're sinful. That He is the sinful one, the sinless one, the only judge of the living and the dead, as the creed put it. He is the judge, and we are the defendants before the judge's bench. If we had been there, would we have seen the Holy Spirit descend upon him in bodily form like a dove? Well, there's a group of seminary classmates from McCormick. Um, there were seven of us when we began 25 years ago, and there are now there are five of us, and soon there will be four of us. And one of the departed uh, is, was a wonderful, wonderful six foot eight. He was a tall fellow named Steve Shoemaker. 
Um, Steve was just a wonderful sort. He had a great sense of humor. Well, Steve was um, a finalist candidate for the Dean of Chapel position at the University of Chicago. Not too bad. Um, and Steve had this job interview with the search committee for the Dean of Chapel position. He was feeling pretty good. Until he went to worship in Rockefeller Chapel, where he thought he very well might be the Dean of Chapel. And he was sitting in the pew, and, and it was hot. So hot that the ushers opened the stained glass windows of this Gothic, great Gothic church with the high arches. And some doves flew in. Steve called them pigeons. And the pigeons, the doves, were flying around up, up, uh, up on top and flying over the worshipers who were uh, members of the, the lesser species to the superior species who could fly. And uh, suddenly he, he felt something drop <laughs> on his head. And he thought to himself, I am not the beloved Dean of Chapel of the University of Chicago. What is Luke saying? What is Luke saying in this picture that he has framed of Jesus' baptism and the rest of the people that he was baptized with? Stand-up comic Lewis Black does a routine uh, about um, Christian television evangelists. Now, Lewis Black may not be your favorite cup of tea, but uh, on this one, he hits the nail on the head. Lewis Black is Jewish, and he claims his Judaism, his faith, and his heritage, his identity as a Jew, and his scriptures, Hebrew scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, which we read this morning from what we call our Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. And Lewis Black, having watched these television evangelists misinterpret Hebrew scriptures, Lewis's scriptures, Lewis says, you don't see any of my guys on TV telling you what my book means, your book means, I'm sorry, telling you, whatever, telling you what, um, you don't. 
That's my book. If you want to know about the Old Testament, you ask me. That's my book. Well, um, it's true, and Doug knows as well as anybody, that the New Testament, the Second Testament, as we call it sometimes, the New Testament is written out of the Old Testament. The Hebrew Scriptures, Lewis's Scriptures. So, um, take a second look at this uh, um, story of the baptism of Jesus in light of the historical background, uh, the soil out of which the New Testament is written. Virtually everything in our book comes out of the Old. The beloved in Hebrew scripture, our Old Testament, is Israel. The children of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Leah, I, I mean, uh, I, I mean uh, Rachel, or, or was it Rachel and Leah? Anyway, are you with me? The beloved is not innocent. The beloved is beloved because the beloved is chosen. The beloved is lifted, Israel, is lifted up out of the mire and the dirt and the mud of this world to become a shining light, an example of what this world is meant to be under God's reign. A kind of outpost of heaven or a colony of heaven, as Meister Eckert put it. The borrowed language of the beloved shines the spotlight on Jesus as representing the beloved people in whom God takes pleasure. Likewise, the, the, the dove, the dove in Hebrew scripture is uh, the bird that, you remember? The flood, everything's wiped out except for Noah and his family and rats and mice, I mean, all those animals. Uh, and um, the floods begin to recede, and the way they know they've receded is that the dove comes back with an olive branch in its mouth, which signals that there's some land out there. Go find it. Well, it's also um, the dove... Not by coincidence, I think, is um, is one of the only offerings that the poor could afford in their offerings in the temple. The dove is a is a poor person's gift. It represents the poor. 
And so um, Jesus carries the poor ones. Jesus carries the poor ones. And the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily like a dove. All the sick and the maimed and the lame and the wounded and the blind and the despised, the physically challenged, the social outcasts are all there in the baptismal symbolism. It's all there in the text. The beloved is the one who incarnates divine love. The words in the words of the epistle to the of the of the Hebrew to the Hebrews. The one who breaks down the dividing wall of hostility that has stood between us that would separate us into sheep and goats, Republicans and Democrats and social Democrat, democratic socialists and the children of Abraham through Sarah and the children of Abraham through Ishmael between Jew and Gentile Something there is in the beloved that does not like a wall. Something there is in Jesus that tears down the walls between us, between neighbors, and turns enemies into friends, brick by brick, stone by stone, between the Judeans and the Samaritans and between the male disciples and the Syrophoenician woman, between the beloved ones who, the ones who consider themselves beloved and uh, refuse to cross the street to care for the man in the ditch because they want to maintain their purity. And the Samaritan who is despised, who crosses over and dares to touch what the others presume might be a dead body and take care of him. Between the, the beloved blind beggar Bartimaeus and the charitable nickel and dimers who pass by on the other side, on their way to their lavish parties, uh, the crowds on the street, and Zacchaeus up in a tree, between the beloved son and the host of sinners, the goats, who flocked to him for forgiveness, healing, mercy, and wholeness. Something there is that doesn't love a wall. The voice from above and the dove in Luke's gospel are public matters borrowed from Lewis's, Lewis Black's scriptures, the Hebrew Bible. And Luke's gospel lends us and leads us to see in Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, 
the anointed one. A love that is not private, but public. As Cornel West put it, justice is love made public. That's our tradition, brothers and sisters. That's our tradition, the Reformed tradition. It doesn't, doesn't have a private world and a public world, and the religion is over here, and the rest of life is over there, public life. In fact, our tradition doesn't have anything to do with privacy. It has to do with the personal and the public, but not the private and the public. Before retiring, um, I served for eight years as executive director of a poverty criminal defense law firm that was founded by uh, the people who occupied Wounded Knee and Alcatraz, the American Indian movement, which began in the Phillips neighborhood in South Minneapolis, and African-American civil rights leaders from Northside Minneapolis. I mean, they, this was amazing that these two groups got together. It was not the norm. But they came together and they formed the Legal Rights Center in 1970 to make sure that American Indians and African Americans got their fair day in court by lawyers who would understand them because belong, along with the lawyer, there was a community advocate from the community who spoke their language. Well, there were moments um, during my eight years there at the Legal Rights Center, there were clients who um, were inconsolable because of what they had done, sometimes to the point of being suicidal. It was Mary, the 28-year-old mother of a young son who went off her meds and stabbed her son to death. The young man who had killed two women, two women at the end of the, at the exit of the Lowry Tunnel underneath Minneapolis, to women who were changing a flat tire over on the side of the interstate. When Montu, son of a heroin addict father who himself had followed in his father's footstep, saw the red lights flashing in his rearview mirror, and the sirens, heard the sirens, and sped through the tunnel and hit and killed these two women. A community worker and um, 
the lawyer, the defense attorney, um, who was assigned to his case, um, came and said, um, we need you, he's, he's suicidal. He was in jail, but he was suicidal. And that was one of the few times, those were, those were among the few times that the attorneys, I'm not an attorney, that the attorneys uh, chose to forget that I wasn't an attorney. I was, uh, chose to remember that I was a minister of word and sacrament who heard all kinds of confessions and might at least listen and be a presence with Montu. After his arrest, Montu was sitting in the Hennepin County Jail, feeling anything but beloved. His winnowing fork is in his hand. Montu was sure he was chaff, who was going to burn on the unquenchable fire not one of the beloved, one of the goats. Sonny, Fred, took me to Montu. We sat in his cell. Montu said, God, forgive me. I killed those two women. They have children. Those children will never see their mothers again. How can God ever forgive me? Montour and Mary are beloved by the beloved who carried the poor on his shoulders. And each of them went off to prison, Montour to the state penitentiary for criminal vehicular homicide at the age of 19. And Mary off to the state hospital for the criminally insane, where she still is. Both, uh, both of them were not like us. They were more, but we all are more or less a little insane. Even those of us who are outside the prison walls, we replay the, the episode of the Gerasene demoniac in Mark who beat himself among the tombs of the graveyard because it was all over, crying out night and day, day and night and who beats Jesus when Jesus comes out of the boat and comes to him. He shrieks, what have you to do with me, 
Son of the Most High, do not torment me. We too sometimes are at least a little out of our mind. I don't know, maybe you're not, but boy, I sure have been. And I still am a little out of my mind. As they were as far as, and sometimes they were as far and as we sometimes feel, as far from the perfection of heaven as heaven, as hell is from heaven, or as far as what I used to know, I understand it's different now, but as far as what used to be over the Rhine was from the Queen City Club. But we're not alone. That's the gospel. We are not alone and we are not forsaken. We are not abandoned. We may have done damnable things, but we are not damned. Jordan, who tore down all the walls and who went to the cross, executed by the Roman Empire, rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God, is both our judge, the judge of the living and the dead, and our public defender before himself. It is as though Jesus, the Beloved, were speaking directly to Montu and to Mary and to you in the words of the 14th century poet, Sufi, Sufi poet Hafiz. Someone, someone put you on a slave block. Now, I, someone put you on a slave block and the, the unreal, the unreal bought you. Now I keep coming to your owner, this culture, saying, this one, this one is mine. You often overheard us talking, and this can make your heart leap with excitement. Don't worry. Don't worry. I will not let sadness possess you. I will gladly borrow all the gold I need to get you back. And that's the gospel. In the beloved, in the son, 
You are my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. God has redeemed, redeemed 